American Road Trip Talk begins after this message. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of American Road Trip Talk. So glad to have you with us along for the ride, as we like to say. Our buddy Nathan Miller, he's our producer, and once again, he is at the board, keeping us in our lane. Today, we are on the cusp of Memorial Day weekend 2023. In this edition of our show, we are fortunate to have Matt Shea with us once again, to reveal the places and ways the people of Puget Sound remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for their fellow Americans in armed conflicts going way back to the beginning. There's a lot to share in a short time. This is American Road Trip Talk. We'll do our best, and we'll be back with Matt and the interview right after some messages from our sponsors. Adventure, history, and beauty all await you on the Natchez Parkway a National Scenic Byway and National Park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes, while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your trip at scenictrace.com. That's scenictrace.com. Are we there yet? That's not a question you'll be hearing while cruising around Nevada. That's because here in the road trip capital of the USA, that old cliche about it being the journey that matters more is actually legit. In Nevada, you can kick back in a crowdless state or national park, gaze up at some of the nation's darkest, most star-studded skies, meander among the world's oldest living trees, have your breath stolen by the crystal clear waters of Lake Tahoe. All along the way, you will find the kinds of iconic, wide-open highways where road trip dreams are made. For insider tips about Nevada road trips and unexpected Silver State destinations, order your free Nevada magazine and visitor guide today at TravelNevada.com slash travel dash guides. Make this spring picture perfect in Oregon's Mount Hood territory. Book a kayak tour to Willamette Falls. Make a splash on a guided whitewater trip navigating Class 3 and 4 rapids. Get into history's interactive side on the Heritage Trail. Find your favorite color on a wildflower walk. Meet baby animals on farm loops and visit vineyards on the New Wine Trail. Plan your trip today at mounthoodterritory.com slash spring. There's room to roam along the scenic byways in southeast Idaho's high country, and it's a great time to get away and decompress. Did you know southeast Idaho is hot springs country? Come and relax in natural mineral water hot pools. Then visit one of their quirky museums like the Idaho Potato Museum, the Museum of Clean, or the Butch Cassidy Museum. Go to IdahoHighCountry.org to plan your trip. You're sure to find your favorite way to disconnect when you visit Idaho. Every year for the last 51 years, blues lovers from all over the world visit Bentonia, Mississippi, that's just outside the famous town of Yazoo, for the annual Bentonia Blues Festival at the Blue Front Cafe in Bentonia, Mississippi. The Blue Front Cafe opened in 1948 
and is still a family-owned company. Jimmy Duck Holmes, the son of Carrie and Mary Holmes, took over the Blue Front Cafe in 1970, and he continues to present hometown blues through live performances throughout the year. The three-day long and free event takes place June 15th through June 17th. The festival will also include a 5K race on the 17th from 8 a.m. through 10 a.m. with all the proceeds going toward a cure for ALS. With thousands in attendance every year, the Bentonia Blues Festival brings people together from all over that all have a common love for the Mississippi Blues. You want more information? You can call the Blue Front Cafe yourself. Call them directly. Maybe you'll get the chance to uh, talk to Jimmy Holmes. Friends, call him Duck. Here's the phone number, 662-528-1900. Once again, 662-528-1900. Give them a call. Giving local voices a chance to shine. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. You're going to be a regular fixture, this guy. I'm talking about Matt Shea, our correspondent, our man on the ground. He collects a lot of discoveries, and he loves to share them with all of us. Matt Shea, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Gary. I'd like to wish you, the American Road Trip Talk, and KKNW Alternative Talk a very happy Memorial Day weekend. Oh, well, the same back to you. Of course, I, you know, I say celebrate advisedly because it's a somber occasion. It's a time of honor. We commemorate, and we, in the deepest part of ourselves, we remember. We remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice, paying that price of freedom, which is so dear to all of us. And here in Puget Sound, it's as true here as anywhere this is our opportunity, Matt, to have you. You've done a lot more digging. You do it year in and year out to keep the information fresh. Please let us know, starting kind of from the general and working our way down to particular events and venues, what it is that Memorial Day celebration looks like in Puget Sound this year. Sure. I would like to walk into its origins. In November 22nd, excuse me, on November 21st, 1864, Abraham Lincoln had written a letter to one Lydia Parker Bixby. It was condolences for losing five sons in the Civil War. I did my research, and they're either in the graveyard of the unknown soldier in Virginia, or they're still in the battleground where they were buried, as many were. And then moving along, we have an Albert Henry Woolson who made it to age 106. Mm. On August 2nd, 1956, he passed being the undisputed last known Civil War veteran. And then on May 5th, 2011, we had 110-year-old Claude Cholis, a British Royal Navy sailor, and he was the last World War I soldier undisputed. Earlier this week, according to my findings, we still have 167,284 retired World War II vets in the United States of America, and that number is diminishing at a fast rate. How many will we still have a few weeks from now? What will the attrition rate do to us a year from now? Initially, we had over 70 million fighting that war. And so it gets very sentimental and for good reason. 
Now, I would like to get into the history when it got started. On May 30th, 1868, and this was three years after the Civil War, Decoration Day had been founded, and that was nothing more than paying tribute to the lost Civil War soldiers and to decorate their grave sites with flowers. Well, shortly after World War I, it advanced to Memorial Day, and it was for all soldiers lost in all U.S. wars. In 1873, New York was the first state to designate Memorial Day as a legal holiday. On May 1879, the state of Washington joined in with that. And in 1971, Congress passed the Uniform Holiday Act, making Memorial Day a holiday, the last Monday in every May. So we get into Seattle. They started to officially celebrate it in 1917. And in 1917, they had veterans walk the streets, parade, the flags, and it was something that escalated to be bigger and better every year. Today, we have Memorial Day in Seattle off of the Main Street center of town. And among other things, they have vintage military cars, many exhibits, flags, patriotism everywhere. And at the Benner Royal Hall, they have the Garden of Remembrance. And this is for the lost soldiers from the United States and from the state of Washington especially. And there's a special feature the Boeing Employee Concert Band will perform there. You've got a lot going on there. There, I love how you just unearth these wonderful events. And the theme, of course, is Memorial Day of Remembrance. But I love the style that individual venues and the creators of these events choose because each celebration is unique. It isn't just like a cookie cutter formula for honoring our war dead, and that's the good news. Oh, definitely. Seattle this year is celebrating its 106th Memorial Day celebration, but we have the famous Evergreen Rochelle Cemetery, and they are celebrating their 97th annual Memorial Day. And we have an address. It is 11111, that is five ones, 11111, Aurora Avenue, North Seattle, Washington, and you could even call them at 206-362-5200. They begin at 8 in the morning with the Avenue of Flags, and these are people waving flags to honor loved ones, and in the corner of the flags, it gives their name and their ranking as their military careers go. At 10 a.m., they have the flag placement at the Veterans Memorial Cemetery. They have scout troops and many volunteers making this happen. It is something for everybody for free, and it is a very quiet, loving affair of respect. Great tradition. Well, Shelley Cemetery, that is, it's a famous place in its own right. Yes, so way up there in the Way up there in the Pacific Northwest, there is this place of distinction for the war dead. Yes, and they have a monument for the veterans that it's right up there with Mount Rushmore. It is permanent. You could see it a mile away. We know what it stands for, and it just commands respect. Now, one of my favorite venues is the Museum of Flight. 
That is amazing. It's at Boeing Field. The address is 9404 East Marginal Way South, Seattle, Washington, 98108. Among other things, when I was there a while back, and I'm talking a couple years ago, the tour guide was a former World War II fighter pilot. We're talking Baba Black Sheep era. They're still out there, and I question if the man is around today. It'd be wonderful if he was still giving tours, but that's wishing an awful lot. They have a slide gallery there. You'll meet many veterans. The Boeing Band will be there once again. They'll have a parade, everything. It is magnificent. The Flight Center, the upper level celebrates World War I. The bottom level celebrates World War II. It is incredible how they pieced it together. They even have the oldest military airplane ever from World War I. Oh, really? And what kind of shape is it in? I'm afraid if you open the door, the wind would blow it apart. It was actually from Europe, and it was a biplane that they mounted a heavy machine gun on, and apparently it worked, but I don't know if it ever worked a second time. But there it is. (laughs) Don't touch it. There it is. Air war using the technology of the time. Isn't that a wonder? Oh, definitely. Now, I live in Marysville, and our neighbor is Arlington. We have covered Arlington many times in our Christmas specials, at our 4th of July specials. Do they ever put on a Memorial Day classic? It is sponsored by the American Legion Post 76. It starts at 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., but all day they have festivities there. You could meet veterans, and they have some vendors there, too. There's a parade with it, some food. It's a family outing right there. Arlington... You could picnic practically anywhere in that town because I go there three or four times a week easy. So, up there, you know, north of Seattle, there's a, a whole culture unto itself. The folks there, year round, they find reasons to celebrate and they put the stamp of their civic personality, each one of those towns, on these various events. That's one thing I've noticed about the, that whole area. That's your neck of the woods, as you just indicated. And there's a great civic pride up there. I notice it every time I travel in that direction. Oh, definitely. We have Mill Creek, and the whole town's involved with this, and they have their parade starting 11 a.m. in the morning. They also have the Veterans of Foreign War, the American Legion, the Civil Air Patrol, all joining forces, and then there will be a flyover for the military jets. The oh, local, yes, our Air Force is getting involved with this one. And Mill Creek's a fun town. I go town to town, and throughout the year, you see our flag on their light poles. You see them in front of mom and dad's house, the grandparents' house. These are the communities we have out here. I'm curious, let me stop for just a moment, Matt, and ask you, and thank you very much for all of this sleuthing that you do. I like to call you our correspondent or man on the ground, you come up with all of this great information that people can use. When you deal with these various groups, you must get, and I think it's part of your homespun friendly personality, you get a lot out of these folks, a lot of useful information, and every one of them seems to find you an easy man with whom they can cooperate. Last night, 
my latest fishing buddy, Tommy, who is stationed up at Woodby Island, he wrote me. He said, hey, you're doing a show on Memorial Day. Me and the guys can do things. Well, I'd already sent you my notes, but they were so aggressive to lend themselves for this patriotic holiday. And I got a fishing buddy. He talks about seeing the world and what it feels like dedicating his life to this country. I look up to that guy. And not just for his fishing skills, I'm quite sure. <laughs> He's it's, very worldly. You'd, you'd, want, you'd want a son of yours to turn out like this guy. I'm quite sure. It, it's, you know, when it comes to service, and I found this particularly true every time I talk to a World War II veteran, and I've talked to plenty of them over the decades. I can't remember one time when information about the the terrible intimacy of war, of combat, was intimated to me by people who told me their stories. First of all, the first thing I noticed was that they do so reluctantly. They never want to be seen as taking credit for more than their share by doing their duty. I never heard one of them brag. And I have to be honest with you, Matt, you've probably experienced this as well. Many of our listeners might have too. They talk about their war experiences reluctantly because it's painful to remember that, but they just don't want to act like, hey, I was the hero. I saved, you know, I was there with Davy Crockett at the Alamo. None of that attitude there, if anything, shy about their recollections. Back in the 1970s, my dad was working for the Rainier Brewery, and in those days, they hired the sons first. So I'm a teenager, and I'm running the recycle department, and about every day, who I thought was a bum would come in because he wore two jackets, and he had the traditional dog with him, and he was always collecting aluminum, and he would argue to the higher half pound on the scale. So I'd round it off to the higher number, I think it gave him an extra 18 cents. Then he'd dig into his pockets and show me food that he found in the dumpsters. But he kept telling me war stories, one after another. And whenever I asked him something, he would say yes. So I had to ask if he was at Pearl Harbor. Yes. I asked, do you know about the Arizona? He said, I saw it two weeks later. Okay, well, I thought he was going to be on it, that type of story. So I asked him a trick question about Pearl Harbor, and he looked right at me, and he answered the trivia question. The seafarer fleet was coming into town. The guy said, oh, Matt, here comes EJ. That was the bum. He was clean-shaven in an admiral's outfit, walked up to me with a white cap, had a folded newspaper, flipped it over his forearm a few times, presented it to me, and he was one of four retired admirals being honored at seafair and the guys go don't you know about ej he, he he he's a retired admiral i thought he was a derelict he was just living america picking up garbage recycling things talking to people eating food that was still edible he was still living serving the country in his own way i was a dumb kid and i learned a lesson that day so you're talking about a man who served most admirably in a very distinguished way. And I take it that he was not he was not an admiral in his own mind only. This was someone who actually served. He actually served because he was on the Sandpoint newspaper, their letter. He was one of four retired admirals. And he says like twice a week, he'll go to Breverton Shipyard or Veterans and give a talk and everything. 
have dinners. Then the rest of the week, he doesn't shave. He's in his apartment downtown Seattle, and he's happy. But he wasn't a bum. He was a guy picking up, a guy living simple, very patriotic. So a book, and it's covered. There was life after the military. He had served in World War II and in Vietnam. And then, of course, this is back in the 70s. We must have lost him long ago. But he was the real McCoy. Sure sounds that way to me. You know, when when we talk about Bremerton and that area, I wonder how people feel today about the USS Missouri having been moved strategically and very impressively, in my view, to Pearl Harbor, so that you had the U.S. You have the USS Arizona Memorial, which I have visited three times and been on board the memorial itself twice. And then you have the Missouri. So you have the beginning of our entry, what what necessitated I had, our entry into World War II and then the end, the triumphant end of the war represented by the Missouri. I had been there several times. I've been on number 63 myself. In fact, I was even looking at it last night on the news clips where they moved it out. Little trivia, the USS Arizona's home port was Bremerton, Washington. So they knew the Arizona very well, and they have pictures of it coming and going, as we do with the Missouri. And so it offended the locals because that was their space needle. That was their bragging rights, but it was more than that. It was heritage. It was how they grew up, the culture. So they they took something away from Bremerton, even though Pearl Harbor is also greatly deserving. Oh, certainly. And reconfigured the two ships into a tableau of war and ultimately peace. I can understand the sense of loss there in the folks in Bremerton. They did talk a lot about it. It was controversial. Soon after I moved to Washington, I became aware of this there, but where it's placed now seems so historically significant that I have to admit, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that it turned out that way. I was reading up on Elvis Presley and he greatly respected the Arizona. And when he found out they were having trouble financing the proposal for the monument, he did benefit concerts to pay off the excess of the bill. He greatly helped make that happen, that memorial. That's absolutely true. And thank you for mentioning that, Matt. I have been to Graceland there and Elvis's military service and his commitment to America and our freedom is on display there, but characteristically in an understated way. Because when you go there, you see that the you see that Elvis had that commitment. He had it in his soul, this love of American freedom and the price of it, but it wasn't by any way of bragging rights. It was represented in a very tasteful way. It was doing the right thing. Uh, we've had a lot of stars out there who uh, did, they didn't put the cart before the horse. They served, and then later in life, they found Hollywood and so forth. I'm very proud of our Veterans Park that's in Linwood, because they certainly have a wonderful celebration for Memorial Day, but it finishes up with the traditional rifle salute, a 21 rifle, 21-gun that. And that is from American Legion Post 37. We have all sorts of scout troops, veterans of foreign wars, American Legions, and others making this happen statewide for us. What's happening out on Whidbey Island? I want to make sure to include them. 
Woodby Island is amazing. You and I have done shows on Woodby Island, and they have their naval base there where my buddy Tommy is stationed. They have a World War I fort out there, Fort Canby. But they also have Maple Leaf Cemetery. The address is 1961 West Cemetery Road, Oak Harbor. And the American Legion Post, once again, is making it happen along with the Lions Club. And so they're having a beautiful, traditional Memorial Day right up there at Woodby Island. But I've been on Woodby Island for the 4th of July, and the entire island celebrating. Flags, fireworks everywhere. Memorial Day is not going to be concentrated in one or two places. It's going to be all of it. And that's every year. That's it the is, thing that, that's so admirable. And each community in its own way, each of these celebrations, as noted earlier, has unique characteristics. Yes. Well, for example, we have Veterans Memorial Park in Renton. And the address is 523 South 3rd Renton, Washington. At Veterans of Foreign War Post, post number 1263, and American Legion Post, Number 19, joined forces to give the Veterans Memorial Park in Renton one heck of an honor on Memorial Day. I would suggest to people that if you want to know more, contact the American Legion, contact the VFW, Veterans of Foreign Wars, and find out what is there and what goes on year-round because these celebrations will continue. They are a blessing in and of themselves, the blessing of remembrance. And you have made that available to us in your own way, Matt. Thank you so much for your hard work. You and I had mentioned earlier this week that Memorial Day is celebrated one day, but for many of us, it's every day. Truer words were never spoken. Thanks again, Matt. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well, celebrate Memorial Day, each in your own way, and always drive safely on the American Road.